Montebello Church Sermons. Good morning. We want to welcome you to a new year. It's uh, 2012. What a time we've gone through in this last year. All the trials and all the diseases, and yet we're back and we're starting again. I'm starting a new series. I want you to know we're going to do the book of Ephesians, and we're going to go through it very slowly. And even if we have to take off and go do some other things, we will come back and finish the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is one of the most incredible books in all the Bible. Martin Luther said that the book of Romans is the most pure doctrine book, and then Ephesians is the most sublime book because it summarizes everything that God has planned for the world. Now, this is something that we need to understand. God has a plan for the world. He has a plan for the Christian. He has a future for us. This is exciting just to understand that he has laid it out in the book of Romans and the book of Ephesians. He's laid out God's plan for the universe, how it's going to begin, how it's going to end, and what he's going to do with it and how he's working. Now, the key to the book of Ephesians is to understand that we are not the stars. We are not the heroes. But the center is God. God the Father and all that he has done. God is at working. He is sovereign. He is ruling. He's overruling. He knows what he's doing. We don't always understand it. It seems a little confusing to us. But the book of Ephesians is the book that explains it all. So if you want to understand how your life works, if you want to know the priorities that we should have, what is really important, how to make life work. You see, when you understand the book of Ephesians, you're given many secrets. For instance, the, the problem of the sex life, we live in a sex-saturated uh, world right now. You say, how do you live with all that temptation and all the problem of pornography and all these things? If you study the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians gives you answers to these things. God's answers, not just easy answers, but the real God answers. And that's what we need to understand as we study the book of Ephesians, is God lays out his plan and his purpose. Now, as we go through this, we need to understand that probably the official title that we use the book of Ephesians and say the book of Ephesians was really not probably the primary uh, uh, address. It was a circular letter, a letter that was passed around from church to church. Probably the seven churches in the book of Revelation, those churches each received a letter and the same would be repeated and they would read in their church and then they would send to the next church and then they would read it and they would listen to it. That's why if you want to really grow in Christ, if you really want to know the secrets of the universe, I encourage you every day that you read the book of Ephesians, read it, read the straight through the whole book, read different translations, read through chapter at a time, and go through it very, very carefully. Because when you're done, when you're through reading the book of Ephesians, you will be a transformed person. Now understand, this was written probably around uh, 61 AD, and while Paul was in prison in Rome, and while he was there, he wrote the book of Ephesians. As I say, 
Many of the books that he dealt with, he dealt with problems. But Ephesians and Romans are pure books because he doesn't deal with problems, but he deals with where life is going and what God is doing. So this is why it's so encouraging and so helpful. You say, how does it help me? Because when you understand God's mind, it gives you a new perspective. You see, we are not going to, by studying the ways of the world, we find that the world's wisdom is not of God. God has a wisdom that the world does not know anything about. And he wants us to understand that secret wisdom, that wisdom that will set you free, that, that wisdom that will give you joy and that will give you peace. So I read from the book of Ephesians, and it starts with this very clear description of what it's all about. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are faithful in Christ, grace to you and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is writing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He tells us in the book of Galatians that he did not receive these truths from the other apostles. He didn't sit down and was not trained by the other apostles. He was trained by Christ himself. So Paul, as an apostle, had the authority of Christ, and he's speaking with Christ's authority. Christ came to him and revealed these truths to Paul. So sometimes when people go and say, well, I read this passage, I don't believe I agree with the Apostle Paul. Well, what a scary thing to say, because Paul was the authorized person. He was the one that received it directly from God. And we better pay attention and to go and think that we can question Paul is to question Christ himself and question God. So I encourage you, understand the book of Ephesians will set you free as you study it, as you learn those truths, and you will find that the love of God is wonderful. Now, he says he was an apostle by the will of God. That always amazed Paul. Remember, he was the persecutor of the church. He was trying to destroy the church, and he's walking on that road to Damascus. And as he came along, there was a light that flashed, and it was so bright that he fell to the ground. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And Paul said, heard Jesus say, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He came right out and said, I am Jesus because he is the son of God. And when Paul realized that Jesus Christ was the son of God, his whole theology changed. That's why he's amazed that God in his love stopped Paul on the Damascus road and revealed himself to, to Paul. And there he was told, that he would become the apostle to the Gentiles. Now this was something, and it's revealed in the book of Ephesians and, and other books where he says to us that God has not talked to the Gentiles up until now. Now he says the message is going to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are going to be included and they are going to be a part of the church. It will be made up of Jews and it will be made up of Gentiles because these people will be one in Christ. So Paul was an apostle, and this is what he's writing. He's writing the authoritative word that he received from Jesus Christ himself, and he's sharing it with us. And he says, 
He writes it to the saints. You say, oh, am I a saint? Well, a saint sounds kind of like a uh, uh, an uptight kind of person, but that's not what a saint is. A saint is someone that has been set aside for God. The question is, do you belong to the devil? No. Well, do you belong to Christ? If you belong to Christ, you're a saint. That makes you a saint because you belong to Christ. And what he is saying here is, if you are a man that has chosen to walk and put your faith in Christ, you are made a servant of God. You are made a follower. You are made a saint. You are set aside to be a blessing to other people, but not only to be a saint. He says, he goes on and he says, that you will also be faithful in Christ. Isn't it amazing? We are saints because we belong to Christ. The question is, who do you belong to? And if you belong to Christ, you are a saint. Just simply because you belong to Christ, and therefore Christ has changed your life. But he also says that you will be faithful. Well, what does that mean? It's kind of interesting that faithful means they never quit. A Christian that is truly born again will not be able to quit because he knows he's been born of the Spirit of God. He's been changed. And so these people go and say, oh, I think I'm going to quit. I heard about a young man that said to his pastor, he says, Pastor, God hasn't answered prayer and I'm really frustrated with this Christian life and therefore I'm going to quit. And the pastor said, said to the young man, he said, young man, if you want to quit, go ahead. And the young man said, I can't do that. You know that. He said, certainly we cannot quit because we belong to Christ. We've been born of the Spirit of God. We've been transformed. So here he is saying that these people are faithful. There are people that are going to hang in even when there's persecution. They are not going to turn their back on the Lord. They are going to follow faithfully because they are saints and they understand that they are to be faithful. But he goes on and he says that we're in Christ Jesus. You understand in the book of Ephesians, it's repeated again and again. In Christ or in him, it's stated again and again because Christ is the center. The Father sent the Son. The Son comes. It is the work of the Son that lives are changed. If somebody is teaching you a Bible study and they say, oh, we're going directly to God. We don't need Christ then they're teaching heresy because there's only one way to the Father and that's through the Son. And so the Father has sent the Son to come and to be with us, to guide us and direct us and to teach us of his things. And so it is that Christ is the center. Now he says to us, grace and peace. You say, oh yes, we've heard that before. You realize how wonderful that is? The fact that God's grace is available to us what does it mean, God's grace? That means all of God's power, all of God's wisdom, all of God's love, all of God's graciousness, all of God's beauty are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. And he comes and he gives it to us and he says, grace, grace that means everything that God is, is ours. You see, it is not about us. We are not the center. God is the center, and when God comes, he says, I come with grace. I come with this wonderful gift of the very person of Christ 
who will come and transform your life and make it full and rich and meaningful. But not only is that, but it says that he will give us peace. What does peace mean? It means freedom from anxiety. It means freedom from fear. Because when we have grace, we have all of God's power, all of God's love, all of God's endorsement, all of God's blessing. And therefore, as we look at life, we have peace because we know Christ is in control of all things. Well, then he goes on in our passage, if you will follow along. And I trust you're following with me as we go on. And we have the next next verse that we come to that we want to look at. And that is that he has chosen us before the foundation of the world. Well, even before he says that, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now we get stopped there. That's an amazing thing. He said, all of these blessings that I'm offering you, all these things that you can have in Christ, he says, they are blessings and they are in the heavenlies. You say, what does it mean to be in the heavenlies? Well, that's not heaven. He's not talking about heaven. He is heavenly is a place where Christ dwells. You see, the heavenlies is that after Jesus Christ rose from the dead and was resurrected and he ascended to the Father, he was sat down at the right hand of the Father to dwell with the Father forever and ever, where he rules with sovereignty over absolutely everything. Every invisible part of the world that is a part of the spiritual life, it's an invisible world. And it is a world that only God is in control and God is working. And he says, I've come and I'm going to work in your life and I'm going to work from the avenue of the heavenlies. Well, how does that work? You see, here's a realm that is made up of the invisible world. Let me illustrate, if I can, the Apostle Paul, remember, excuse me, the Elijah, the prophet, was sent by God to go and work and work with Israel. Now, Elijah would be revealed secrets that the enemy was laying traps and he would, every time a trap would be laid, Elijah would tell the king of Israel that was going to be trapped, tell him where the ambush was going to come from. It's unbelievable. In fact, it went so far as it said that even the secrets in the, in the king uh, that was opposed to Israel, the king would tell even the secrets that he had told his wife in the bedroom. You say, whoa, that's kind of wild. Yes, it is. But it says that Elijah would reveal all of these secrets. So every time a trap would be set, then they would be able to deal with it and win. And they said, it's the prophet Elijah has given away all the secrets. Well, the king determined, the evil king that wanted to destroy Israel, he determined that he was going to go down to Dothan the town where little Elijah lived. And he said, we're going to go down. We're going to get that prophet. We're going to kill him so he can't give away any more secrets. And so it was that the whole army at night came down. Uh, the whole army of this enemy, this terrible power, secular power that opposed God came down and they were going to capture and kill Elijah. Well, in the morning they got up and Elijah's servant looked and he said, oh, we're in big trouble. 
the the whole hills are filled with these enemy soldiers and they're coming to kill us. What are we going to do? And Elijah prays. He says to Lord, open the eyes of my servant. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And when his eyes were opened, to his amazement, he saw that not only were there thousands of troops around there, but there were tens of thousands of flaming angels around them. And he went and says, oh, those that be for us are greater than the world, than these enemies that are opposed to us. And so it was when they came down to, de to capture Elijah, they became blind. They could not see. And they said, well, what should we do? Should we kill all these people? He says, no, feed them a banquet, feed them a good meal, and then send them home and tell them don't do that again. And so it was that Elijah revealed the secret. Now, when those angels were seen by the servant of God, and that poor servant was so shook up, he looked and he saw thousands of thousands of angels, flaming angels. And he says, those that be with us are greater than those that are opposed to us. Why? Because those angels are from the heavenlies. They are in the heavenlies. They are real, but they are invisible. But the servant had his eyes open so he could see the invisible angels. And he realized that the power that was with them was greater. Do you understand how that illustrates? Well, what does that mean for you? Well, as a child of God, you dwell with him and you share with the secrets of God in the heavenlies. Now it says that he comes with the counsel of his will. It means all of the counsel of heaven is at God's command, his control. And he wants you to know that he is control of all things. And he controls all those angels, the myriad and myriad upon angels, the hills that are filled with angels. He is in control of all that. And he wants to share it with you. That doesn't give us superpower, but it means he gives us the ability to trust him that he, as a sovereign God in control of all things, is controlling and working things out for the glory of God. And so we come to the book of Ephesians and we see the details he gives. He says that he chose us in himself before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Well, foundation of the world, it means before time ever began. God planned this all out. He knew it was all going to take place. He knew about you. He is your God. He is your Savior, and he's working in your life right now. So that was before the foundation of the world. He laid it out. He said that you should be holy and blameless. Well, what does it mean to be holy? Holy means that we belong to God. Are you God's? You say, who do you belong to? I belong to God. I'm God's special child. But not only are we holy, but it says that we will be blameless. Now, don't misunderstand me. It doesn't say we will be sinless. He's not saying that we're going to be sinless. He says that we will be blameless. What does that mean? It means that all of the guilt that was upon us, everything that we were guilty of, was put upon Christ. So he took away all of the blame. And so you say, are you perfect? No. But in Christ, I am perfect. I am made clean. I am made pure. I am made holy. 
but I'm also made to be blameless. God says, I don't blame you. I don't condemn you. I bless you because you're my child. So blamelessness doesn't mean sinlessness, but it means that the blame is taken away by the Father. He destined us in love to be his sons through Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glory and his grace, which he freely bestowed on the beloved. What does that say? That's saying that we are part of the family of God. Are you a child of God? You part, you're part of the family of God, the family that will be together forever and ever, even though we have this virus and we have all these uh, rules that we can't meet together. God says, you need to understand that you're part of the family and you're brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's an eternal relationship that counts for eternity. That's why it's so important that we rejoice in him. And he says, he is he has taken this all away because in Christ, you see, he has destined us in love to be sons. We've destined us to be a part of the family of God. Isn't it wonderful to know that as you're a part of the family of God, in the heavenly realms right now, you're dwelling in that family relationship. You are brothers and sisters, and you are together, and that you are together in Christ. But then he goes on, he not only the thirdly, he says, he destined us in love to be sons in the beloved. Well, then he goes on and he says to us, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Isn't it incredible? Where does redemption come from? It comes through Jesus Christ's shed blood. There is no remission without the shedding of blood. Jesus Christ died for our sins. He paid the penalty. He paid the full price so that he could bear our sins on the cross. With his stripes we are healed. But it is also true that because we, are, we, are, we have been redeemed, we have been forgiven. All of our sins have been forgiven. Are you rejoicing in that? All of your trespasses. According to, how does he do that? He measures it according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished on us. It means that it's the grace of God that gives us this incredible work, this incredible forgiveness, this incredible redemption. And he's done that all for us, that we can be complete in Christ. He says that he has removed all guilt. Guilt is removed. God says it's forgiven. It's cleansed. You've been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ and made clean. But then it goes on, and he fourthly says, For he has made known unto us all the wisdom and insight, the mysteries of his will, according to the purpose which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him that are in heaven and on earth. Isn't it amazing? God is moving towards a unity that all things will come together in Christ. Christ will be the coordinator. He will put all things together. He'll make it all fit. And if we are Christ, we are a part of that team that is going to bring it all together. You are a team of those that bring about eternal blessing, the forgiveness of sin, and the fact that we are completely united in Christ. 
that completion is in him. Now, meeting the next one, in him according to the purpose of his will, he accomplished all things according to the counsel of his will. We who first hope in Christ have been destined and appointed to live to the praise of his glory. Now that says an awful lot of things, but it's saying that there was a council in the heaven, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit consulted together and laid a plan of salvation for you and me, that our sins would be forgiven, that we would be forgiven of our sins, and our, our hearts would be made pure, and that we would be established to become ambassadors of Christ, to live for his glory and for his joy. And he does all this, and he's going to bring everything together. Isn't it incredible to know that in the future, all things are going to fit together. There will be a unity in Christ, because Christ is ours, and we worship Christ, and all other believers worship Christ, because there's only salvation in one. There is salvation in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. So then he goes on and he says, In him we also who have heard the word of truth. You see, the next point is this, that Jesus Christ is the center of all truth. And without Christ, there is no truth. But then he goes on and he tells us something even more amazing. And he just keeps stacking these blessings on top of blessing on top of blessing. He says, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Part of the reason we are here together is we are here to bring it all together. We are here to uh, inherit the blessing that is God. He says he wants us to acquire this possession. He has a spiritual life. He wants all of us to possess a life of freedom, and it will be to the praise of his glory. What does that mean? It means when you look and you see how much your life has been changed, you say, what an awesome God he is. What a wonderful God he is. And look and see what he's done. Now, this is when we're sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, when a person becomes a believer, he comes and he submits himself to the Holy Spirit and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within you. If you do not have the Spirit of God, you're not saved. But if you're saved, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, dwells in you. He is there working in you. He is accomplishing God's perfect will. Isn't it amazing? It's unbelievable. And it's transforming just to understand that this is all promised in the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus said it was better that I go away. Because if I go away, the other, other counselor will come. That means the Holy Spirit will come. He will come into our heart. He will teach us. He will guide us. He will instruct us in all things. And he will guide us how to live within this world of, of made up of only men's ideas. But we will be able to know God's mind, led by the Spirit of God, and he will lead us to victory. So here is this the beginning book of this incredible offer that he's come to us. If you understand the book of Ephesians, you will never be the same person. You will be transformed because that's God at work. That's where we started. That's where we're going to end our study today, understanding that God starts it all 
and God's going to end it all. And we get to be the blessing and the heirs. And we get to inherit all of these things from Christ because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. What a glorious gift. And therefore, he says, to the praise of the glory of God. What does he want us to do? He wants us to praise God. Are you thankful? Are you praising God? Are you thrilled with everything that he is doing? All of these things are working together for our good, for our future, for our blessing. The forgiveness and the redemption is ours. And therefore, we can rejoice in this. Therefore, let's commit ourselves to the Lord. Lord, we come to you. We belong to you. You have, you have our name written on our head. We belong to you. You are our Savior, you're our Lord, and you're Master. And we love you, and we want to serve you. Thank you that you've taken away all, all the difficulty and all the guilt and all the shame that's all been buried in the depths of the sea. So I am free in Christ. I am free in the Lord. I am free from sin. I am free from all the temptation. Yes, there's still temptations that come, but Jesus Christ is the power that will break the bonds of sin, the power that will break any habit that is in my life. He wants to be our God. He wants to be our Savior. And I just pray for all of our people, the family of God, that they will rejoice in being the family of God, forgiven and restored. And you're going to do great and mighty things. They are so exciting. Lord, I look forward to our study, even as you reveal these secrets to us, that we might be people that know how to live in the heavenlies, live a life filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the fullness of Christ. We ask these things in your loving name. Amen. We look forward to seeing you again. Looking forward and keep reading in the book of Ephesians. Keep studying, digging, because it is only that way that you can discover God's secrets of life. And they work and praise him for that. Thank you. Good seeing you. Montebello Church Sermons.